What's going on, guys? And welcome back to the Big Ugly's Podcast, where the trenches enter the spotlight. Today's episode is brought to you by no one, because we don't have any sponsors yet. <laughs> Hopefully that'll change soon. My DM will be open on Twitter. In today's episode, we're going to be recapping the Monday night games. We also have our first interview with Chris Hubbard of the Cleveland Browns, which we're excited to talk about. And after the interview, we're going to preview the best games of this upcoming week. And we have a little calling to our listeners to help us with our new segment that we have planned for you guys. Um, so, Stan, let's get right into it. The first game, the better of the two of the night, uh, was the Bills and Chiefs. Uh, what are your thoughts and takeaways from that game? Yeah, this was, a, this was an interesting game. Uh, you know, I think it caught me, caught me off guard. I didn't realize that it, there was going to be a lot of rain during this game, but um, that turned out to be a big part of this game. Um, and really, that's where, like, I want to start, where I think the Bills messed up this game by not running the ball. You know, if you look at the stats, the Chiefs ran for 245 yards. Clyde Edwards-Alaire was absolutely electric. Uh, you know, I think he, he ran like 26 times for 120 or 161, something like that. Just like crazy efficient. Unstoppable. Look, yeah, it looked super explosive. Um, but meanwhile, the Bills only ran for 84 yards. And, and I don't even think it was, you know, really that the run game wasn't particularly working. You know, they ran for three – uh, 3.7 uh, per rush, 3.7 yards per rush, which isn't great, but that's not, I mean, that's not terrible, you know, and if you keep running it more, you have to imagine that you're going to, you're going to continue to improve, especially against the chiefs where their, their weakness on their team, if it's anywhere is their run defense. Right. So it was weird to me that they weren't running the ball more, especially with, with how Josh Allen played. I mean, Josh Allen just, it was, he did not look good. And, and I talked him up a ton in our first episode. I was really expecting more from him. He just was, I mean, he was inefficient. You know, I think he had something like 200 yards, but most of those came at the end when, when it was a two score game and they were trying to, you know, come back. But um, yeah, I mean, that's my main thing is like, I feel like the Brown, the bills really needed to run the ball more, especially given the weather from that game. That's why I think the chiefs uh, ended up pulling that one out. I before I get into the my thoughts on the game, just to defend Josh Allen really quick. I think he's a really good player still, and I think he's a really bright future. He reminds me of a young Big Ben. They have very similar body types and athleticism. Obviously, Allen's a little more athletic than Ben was, and Ben was a little better thrower than Allen is. Yeah. Uh, but, but I still think it was, it was more so coaching and game planning for me. Um, on the Chiefs side of ball, they just hammered the Bills in the run game. I mean – I that was one of the that was one of the worst run defenses I've seen this year. And it's nasty. Andy Reid, Andy Reid just let him have it. Like Clyde Edwards-Helaire just went off that game. And then once they got down the field, they just picked him apart with Kelsey, and, and he had a great day. Um, but the Bills, it, it, it seemed like it was a close game, honestly, the whole way until like late in the second half. And and if you if you watched the game and didn't look at the score you wouldn't have known that it seemed like the bills were playing from behind like two scores behind like their play calling um so i really disagreed with that whole strategy they took um i thought it was a closer ball game than they kind of called it um but the, the obviously you know the weather didn't help and the the whole five o'clock monday night game is off from the players normals routine schedules so um there, there's a good chance those two teams will play again someday yeah, no, like you said, you know, it was a, it was a one score game the entire first quarter or first half, sorry. And even 
in the late in the third quarter, it became a two score game, but even then it was a 10 score game. There's tons of time two possession game. Um, I, I don't understand why the bills abandoned the run so much. It seemed like they were always trying to play catch up, even though they didn't need to play catch up. So yeah, yeah I, I totally agree. I think that coaching wise, that was just a weird, it was a weird way of managing that game. Um, and to me, it really, that, that was the big difference in the game was, um, you know, relying on, on Josh Allen in a game that the conditions were terrible. He, Josh Allen ended 14 for 27, but I think at, at half, he was, he was way under uh 50% completion rate. So it, it was weird to me that they didn't come out of the second half and try to establish the run a little bit. Um, but aside from that, one of the one of the big things that I thought were was interesting in this game was how the announcers talked about Josh Allen Mahomes. Granted, Mahomes did play far better than Allen, but everyone loves Mahomes so much, and I understand he's a great great player, best player in the league right now for sure. Whether or not he's going to win the MVP, he's the best player in the league. He's the guy you want for on your team for the next fifteen years. That's why he got a half a billion dollars. But. <laughs> But the announcers, every time he made a bad throw, it was like, oh, well, it's raining. You know, he probably doesn't have a good grip. Like, you know, that's that's not on Mahomes. But then as soon as Allen made a bad throw, it was, man, I don't know what he was doing there. Like, what happened there? Yeah. Like, that's a, that's a throw you got to make. It's like, well, we can't – I mean, we can't have it both ways here. Like, you have, to, you have to be – at some point, Mahomes makes mistakes. You have to point them out. And this is one of the yeah. things that I always had a problem with with Tom Brady. Everybody just <laughs> – they wouldn't let him off the hook or they left him off the hook. No matter what happened, it was, Oh, he doesn't have enough weapons. Oh, X, Y, and Z. Does it like he had, he had Randy Moss and, and Gronk and he had not to mention he had the greatest coach of all time, maybe in all sports, definitely in in all of football history. So, you know, I'm seeing that in Mahomes where he often seems to be getting let off the hook for mistakes that he's making. And I, I think that's just a real detriment to, uh, it, it really just, it makes me uh, peeved a little bit. Yeah. And that's just, that's so classic media too, though. Like even you know, in, it's funny cause people are starting to call it out and it's actually nice that we have platforms like Twitter where like someone like myself or like other reporters, they have a voice to like put these things out there. Cause I did see Matt Stafford made a crazy like sidearm throw. It was either this week or last week. That was nasty. Some guy said, like, if this was Mahomes, it would be on ESPN all day. And, like, that's, and I was like, that's so true that's how, true. like, certain people, whatever, or certain people or certain markets, they just get hyped up solely because, you know, they want them to be the, the face of the entire league and whatnot. Um, but moving on from that game into the second game, which was extremely boring, just wasn't, wasn't the best game to watch. Cowboys and Cardinals. Now, I was shocked that – the red rifle looked terrible. Andy Dalton looked bad. Granted, his entire Horrible. line is decimated. Um, but the Cowboys, man, they, the Cowboys looked bad. And, and I don't know if that if the Cardinals are as good as they looked because they're good or is just the Cowboys were that, that bad. No, I, and that's that's what I said in, in our first episode again when we were previewing this game. You know, I don't know if I trust the cards and I don't know if I trust Kyler Murray. And I really think even though the Cardinals killed them, I think my point still stands. Kyler played terrible. I don't care what you say. Like they won 38 to 10 or whatever it was, but Kyler was terrible. He was nine for 24, nine for 24. And he also, he threw for 188 yards, 80 of which came on one pass to, to Christian Kirk. Like 
that was not an impressive game to me by the, by the Cardinals at all. It was really just a, a further showing to me that the Cowboys are terrible with Andy Dalton at the helm and that their defense can't stop a nosebleed. <laughs> the Cowboys, they were much, much worse than I really anticipated. I thought they'd actually be pretty good with Andy Dalton. Like, not good as in, like, they're winning the Super Bowl, but I thought they'd be, man, like, you know, serviceable for sure. For sure. Um, but I think – Today, an article came out, and I, I also want to preface this by saying I hate articles that just say, per sources, this is what we've heard. Because, like, who the hell said it? Where are you hearing it from? But today on Bleacher Reports, it's, a report came out that a bunch of guys in the locker room are already butting heads with Mike McCarthy and the staff. And if that's true and they already, already lost the locker room, that, that is a big problem in, in Dallas. I mean, I think you even saw it during the game a little bit with – how McCarthy treated Zeke after those two fumbles. Granted, nobody likes to see a guy fumble twice. Uh, you know, that, that's something you have to look at. But when it's Zeke Elliott and you're down, you know, whatever you were, and how, I mean, they were already down three scores by the time that he had had that second fumble. Like, you can't just go away from Zeke. You need to keep pounding him. Like, if you look at how he ran that game, he was running, running pretty efficient. He was just under, you know, five a carry. That it, the game wasn't out of hand be, after those two fumbles. The game was still in hand. So I really think McCarthy messed up. And you, and you saw the one thing the ESPN broadcast did was they zoomed in on on Zeke a ton. <laughs> he was so right? Oh my gosh, he was mean mugging. I mean, yeah, he, he was not happy. Was, he was not happy. And I and when that was happening. You know, it wasn't it wasn't even, you know, he was kept out for a couple plays or half a drive or even a full drive. It was like two drives straight where you didn't see Zeke. And when you have a backup quarterback in there and a decimated O-line, like you need to lean on your best players and Zeke is their best player. And I and I don't want to rip on McCarthy too quickly um, because their their quarterback is out and after being a Steelers fan and seeing how hard it is to win with a backup in the NFL. Like it is extremely hard to win. Even if it's like someone like Andy Dalton it is just a totally different ball game. When you lose your star guy, your leader, your locker room guy. And plus their line is just decimated. They're yeah. Travis, uh, Travis Frederick retired uh, Smith. He's out for the, he's either on IR after the year. Um, Zach Martin's concussion proto- protocol. And uh and who's the other guy? McKnight, he just got knee surgery today. Well, and Lyle Collins. Lyle Collins. They're, like, literally the whole entire offensive line is just gone. So, you, yeah, no. you, you couple that with a backup quarterback, that's a bad recipe. So, it's, Absolutely. it's, it's hard to rip on, on McCarthy too much yet, but this, it's bad early signs, let's just say that. I mean, their entire identity, you think, you know, two years ago when the, when the Cowboys were 13-3 and they were the number one seed or number one or number two seed in the NFC, you know, their identity was running through, running that offense, running that team through the O-line. You know, like you said, all those guys that you mentioned, none of those guys are playing right now. Zach Martin left that game early. And after that, you could just see the O-line was in disarray. You know, uh, you saw when Dalton almost took that safety, their, their left tackle, who I, I don't even know who was playing left tackle for them. I probably should, but he didn't even look at a linebacker blitzing off the edge and, and, Dalton almost got killed. He was lucky to get away with, uh, without. Yeah, that was impressive. Uh, he got that away. Yeah, without taking a safety. But, but even even on plays where where uh, Dalton wasn't sacked or wasn't you know hit, 
he was, he had guys in his face. That pocket was closing in on him real tight. Like it, it was just, it was just ugly by the Cowboys all around. There was, I, I, there's really nothing that the Cowboys can hang their hat on that game. It was, (laughs) it was hard to watch. And that show seeing what the Cowboys did yesterday. I think that this might be the worst division in football history. I was actually, I was actually looking at stats. The, the worst team uh, in NFL history currently in terms of uh, division was the 2014 NFC South where the NFC South when it combined 22 for 41, they had 22 wins right now. The NFC East, what does the NFC East have in wins? They have five through six games. Yeah, they have five. I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure they had five. I saw I saw a tweet about that. So they have because they, so they, they were listing off like undefeated teams. Exactly. So the NFC East has five wins right now. They have five more in division games. So assuming that there's not a tie, there will be five wins out of that somewhere. That gets them to ten wins. I don't <laughs> know if they, I don't know if they can get twelve more wins out of the season. Well, that's the craziest part. After like after all of us we just talked about, the Cowboys still like. They still have to be realistically probably the best chance of winning that division. If they well, I would. It's, it's gonna be them or the Eagles if the Eagles ever get healthy. Yeah, no, exactly. It's it's either them or the Eagles. the The Eagles to me look like the better team. The Eagles the last two weeks um, have played yeah. They, good they teams. look they look like they're getting better. Yeah, they played the Steelers and the Ravens. Those are two good teams, two good defenses, two good offenses, and the Eagles. They covered against both teams. I mean, they were within – oh, no, they didn't cover against the Steelers. But that was a one-score game, like, late into yeah. the game. You know, the Eagles were making it competitive. So, you know, the only thing is, though, the Eagles had a brutal schedule still. Even with all their easy games, uh, you know, in, con- or in division, they still have to play the Seahawks. They still have to play the Packers. They still have to play the Saints. Like, those are three games that – I don't know how they win those games. So yeah, and, and Zach Ertz, he just he's injured now for a few weeks, and yeah. Miles Sanders is out too. They're just they, they, there's certain teams this year who just have absurd amount of injuries, and I'm glad. I mean, knock on wood, it hasn't happened yet to the Steelers, but it's just yeah. there's so many injuries this year. No, and 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 very similarly to the Cowboys, uh, like I was saying, how their identity was their own line. When the Eagles won the Super Bowl in what was that 2018 2017 with Nick Foles that old line was an absolute I mean it was a powerhouse that old line was unbelievable and now they have very like almost none of those guys back Jason Kelsey's still there but he's not quite the player he used to be he's getting older you know when you I mean this is just showing to me when you lose your old line your your team's you're in trouble <laughs> this is I mean we know this we all know this everyone listening to this knows this <laughs> But the, the general public, the general fan does not know that. And I think it's just proving uh, very clearly uh, with those two teams specifically. I am interested in the Cardinals moving forward to see how really good, how good are they? Um, and how good is Kyler Murray? And they have a tough matchup this upcoming week. Um, they play the Seahawks. So yeah. I think this will, this will be the first real test of um, you know, how good are the Cardinals. Um, and they are playing weak Seahawks defense. Isn't that great? So. That could be an interesting game if, if Murray can get hot. So we'll see what happens with that moving forward. Definitely agree on with that. Uh, and with that, let's get into our first interview with Chris Hubbard of the Cleveland Browns. Uh, this was a really fun interview. Uh, Chris is an awesome guy, uh, very interesting guy. Um, we talked about his, his past all the way back to high school, um, 
going through college and to the pros. Talked a little bit about uh, the COVID situation and how, how he's uh, had to change, how he's sort of living life with, with COVID and, and the NFL. Um, and then we got into uh, some locker room shenanigans, both with the Browns and the Steelers, um, as well as getting into um, some important issues uh, for him. Um, and for everybody, but something that he is really uh, key, keyed in on uh, with mental, mental health awareness. So uh, without further ado, let's get to that. Let's go! Touches on three! One, two, three! Charges! Okay, and for the first time ever, I have the pleasure of introducing and welcoming um, a guest to our show. Uh, he is a former UAB Blazer a former Pittsburgh Steeler and current Cleveland Brown. Uh, please welcome to the show, Chris Hubbard. Hey, guys. Thank you for having me, man. I'm glad to be a part of uh, something great, man, and i um, excited to be here. excited to be here. Yeah, and uh, I just want to start by, you know, first and foremost, thank you so much for coming on. Um, as you can imagine, this is really exciting for both Stan and I. Um, and I was, we were just laughing the other day. Um, you actually ended one of your texts with saying, like, thank, thanking me for the opportunity to come on. Uh, and I thought that was hilarious because, you know, <laughs> three years ago, if you had asked me if uh, if NFL player was thanking me for an opportunity to come on my podcast, I would have said you're crazy. Um, wow. So, <laughs> so, f- so from our side, you know, thank you very much for, uh, you know, doing with us. It's the first one ever. Um, so we're really excited to kick this off. And, you know, what better person to have to kick it off with? I'm really excited to our conversation. I think – you know, we have some great questions lined up for you, and uh, it's mm-hmm. going to be a f- fun uh, next hour or so, maybe. So, uh, let's get yeah. let's uh, get things kicked off. Um, I it's uh, I don't want to start with this topic, but I feel like we need to. Um, the whole <laughs> coronavirus situation. Um, just today, some more reports popped up about you know um, Stephon Gilmore getting it and more Titans violating protocols and everything. Um, so, just going to kind of you know start out with hearing your perspective uh, as an NFL player, um, not only in the season right now during um, the coronavirus and all this, but like what, how you prepared differently leading up to the season and um, how things were changed because of this. Um, leading up to everything, I had to go back, man. And, um, you know, when everything started and escalated, it was like, like March or April around that time where it was like really getting to the thick of things. And I'm like, man, are we going to have a season? Are we not going to have a season? Um, just listening in on those NFL PA calls and I'm um, just trying to follow the guidelines and try to keep up with all the updates. It, it was, uh, it was very overwhelming. You know, it was, uh, one of those moments like, man, this is a critical time for a lot of people around the world, man. And it's, um, it's affecting a lot of people's lives. Um, people have lost their loved ones to this, um coronavirus as well as you know um we being able to live our lives like we're normally able to um those things are all spiraling inside of your head in those moments and you're like man you know it's a lot but at the same time you know during the whole process I've been trying to chase something like forever and that's like getting a championship man and um you know, working out and trying to stay active and as well as be a father and being, and being a husband, you know, all those things play into a part because you try to plan for now and as well as the future, you know, during this whole 
you know, pandemic process. So it's it's been a uh, very interesting ride. And, you know, now it's still like, you know, that I see some of my former, my, 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 uh, my coworkers, you know, you know, see them catch it and, and this thing is real, man. So, you know, I just saw where Cam Newton put up a post where like, wear your mask, stay your distance. And that's what we, that's what we got to do. It's hard because we're so um, used to being able to do, you know, massages and stuff outside of the facility and all those things, but it's, excuse me, but it's, it's, it's tough. It's tough because you want to make sure everyone is safe and make sure everybody's, uh, you know, uh, following the guidelines. So I want to bring you back, Chris. Uh, I want to bring you back to even before UAB. I was I was doing a little research on you uh, beforehand, mm-hmm. and the thing that caught my eye immediately on on your Wikipedia page was it says you recorded seventy seven pancake blocks your senior year of high school. One, oh man! One I want my- to say that's that's an insane amount in one year. Seventy seven. That's ridiculous. Two, who was recording that? I, since when is that a stat? Uh, I, I, I would love nothing more for that to, than for that to be an actual stat that was kept, but I've never seen that before. Do you, do you have any idea like where me, that came from? I have no idea. Like I have highlight films of high school, but <laughs> 77, that's a lot. I don't know if I did that many. 77 not, in one year, man. Yeah, I, would, I mean, I did, I did a lot of pancaking that year, but like 77, <laughs> that's – that's probably like that's that's a high rank right there. I mean, that's close to. I mean, that's like five to ten a game. That's that's a crazy, yeah. crazy number. <laughs> yeah, so. it really is. It really is, man. And so but, coming coming from high school, going to to college, when did you kind of realize that that was going to be you know uh, something that was realistic? And or had you kind of gone into high school knowing I want to be a football player? Like this is what I want to do. Um, and then how did that end? How did you end up uh, deciding to go to UAB? How was that your uh, decision? Honestly, man, I had I had a tough time in high school, man, and I was on and off about football, and um, I was on the the like the other side, like I I wanted to do something else. I wanted to do music, mm-hmm. so at one point I wanted to quit football, man. I was like, man, you know, I, I played football from Pee Wee League all the way up to high school, man. I want to do some. I want to venture off and do something else, and you know. Uh, Man, my uncles, man, they got into my head, man, and just saying like, "Hey, like, you know, you have you have uncles that have been in the NFL, and you know, they made something out of themselves." And and like, I, I was listening to everything that they, they was telling me, and I was like, "Man, you know what? Why not? Why not do something? Uh, let my anger out on somebody else on on the, on the next on the uh, other playing the grass for me. I mean, let them have it." And sure enough, I did. I didn't know for I didn't know that it would lead me to a scholarship, mm-hmm. like multiple like um, scholarship offers. You know what I mean? So um, my decision to go to UAB was tough, man. I had I had a couple of decisions that I wanted to, um, to go through, and I visited UCLA, visited Mississippi State, those teams that were involved. Visited UAB. And UAB was close to home. Uh, you, like, it was literally right down the road. Birmingham to Columbus was like two hours mm-hmm. So it was easy for my family to like to come see me opposed to like, making a trip to UCLA or oh, yeah. driving all the way to Starksville, Mississippi. Like, mm-hmm. so like it was, 
it's just one of those things, man. I want my family to be involved in, you know, some of the things that I'm doing. So that was why I picked UAB, you know, to be able to uh, to go there, stay close to home, just in just in case my mom, uh, grandma needed me. So that was a big factor for me. And I love the coaches too. They sold me. You know what I mean? They mm-hmm. they really, uh, you know, did a great job of getting me to where I was and. It's, it was a ride, but I didn't know for a fact that it would lead me to where I am now. I had I never thought farther than one year at a time, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it was just one of those things that, you know, it started to look good for me because I played as a freshman. I got hurt, but then I started to uh, make all-conference USA and, and things like that. And, you know, I was like, man, I may have a shot. I may have a shot. I don't know, you know, and then – you know, agents and stuff start to come around and, um, you know, you start to see like where you can be in in, in the NFL. And my agent did a good job at the time um, of, you know, keeping his word. You know, I I, I got picked up undrafted at uh, Pittsburgh Steelers. That was mm-hmm. like one of the best days of my of, of our lives, man. Like it changed drastically. So. I didn't. I honestly didn't know I could make it. I did. I could make it all the way through. Like looking back, like now, like I just wanted to do something that, you know, kind of like relieve a little stress from me and and uh, a getaway, an outlet, and and it did. You know, so. Mm-hmm. So Chris, you played at UAB from '09 to t- to 2012, um, and I'm sure as you know, many people listening know. Um, follow football. Uh, the Blazers ended their football program in 2014 um, due to financial difficulties. So they say. I don't. I don't know if there's any background to that. Um, yeah. But then the program returned in 2017 and have since been great. I mean, multiple appearances in the Conference USA Championship. Um, I believe a Conference Championship in 2018. Um, mm-hmm. So obviously, you played with some of those guys that were at UAB at the time the program shut down. Um, so I, wanted, I was just wondering, you know, if you heard anything regarding the situation from those guys um, in, in an attempt to get the team back, um, were you part of any, you know, movements to accomplish that? And now, like, down the line as you're, you know, an NFL veteran at this point, is it exciting and cool to look back at the program that was shut down and came back and is successful um, nowadays? Yeah, like, I, I, I'm always in contact with the – the guys that I went to school with at the time and played with, you know, we have a group message, uh, group text message uh, that we have. And we check in on each other. We also watch the games whenever they come on. We let each other know what's going on. And it's fun, you know. And, you know, I still talk to a lot of my Blazer family, man. Like, they they um, were fighting for this thing to come back. And, you know, we all we all pitched in as far as, like, letting people know the awareness of like how, how much it means to have UAB football and what it means to be a blazer. Like we did our part on, on the social media outlook of it as well as like contributing, you know what I mean? The, uh, contributing a little bit of money here and there to help the program out. Um, but um, now, you know, like looking back at everything, man, it was, it was one of those things that was like, man, they took they took something away from us that we believed in. Like we were dedicated to UAB, and now it's it's, it's like gone. Like football is gone, mm-hmm. just like that. And everything else is still going around as far as like the uh, the other sports. So it was just it was just a little bit unfair. 
um, at the time. But now that it's back, man, them boys are on out of control, man. Them boys are like <laughs> ham, like they they really are ham, like doing their thing, man. And it's it's amazing to see you got one of like the the best backs in in college football right mm-hmm. now, like Spencer Brown, man. That dude is the beast. The defense plays lights out, man. And um, just to see Coach Clark like get those guys under control and and making sure like he he really cares about all the alumni and like people coming back to like to his program like the school and i mean football there and he's just doing a wonderful job with the program man i love what he's doing there yeah no that's that's great and especially in the south college football i mean that is that's everything that's so much more than oh, just yeah. the, you know the dollar signs it's a i mean that's yeah. the community there i mean that's that's huge so i'm i mean mm-hmm. i think i speak for everyone when we're saying we're glad the blazers are back um I was looking I at your it. roster. I was looking at your roster pictures uh, when <laughs> over your time at college, and I saw <laughs> when you came in as a freshman. You're around like two thirty, two forty, and now you're Man. playing in the NFL around three hundred. What What was that? Was that something? I mean, obviously, I'm sure once you got there, the coaches were trying to put weight on you as soon as possible. I know that was true for Pat and I when, yeah. when we got into school. But what was what was that like? What, what were the changes that you made? Um, in nutrition as well as training from you know from high school to college and then also from college to uh, the pros man it was was, that was tough for me because I I couldn't I I was so lean man I was like muscular like I just I was just I was strong but I just I couldn't gain weight back then um so I I I was like drinking a lot of insure it was pretty (laughs) bad for me right then that's but, a classic. Like, that's a classic weight gain move for a for a man, college. Boy, you all know it, man. Like the <laughs> intro was in my refrigerator. I would drink one before I drink two before I go to sleep. Like, <laughs> man, it was rough times, man. In college, I would never forget. Like, for me, like I really didn't have a lot of money, so like I would just try to like get a hungry Howie's pizza every now and then. I ate terrible. I ate terrible <laughs> in college. Terrible. Uh, Stan, Stan is all about that. Oh, I I know oh. about the late night pizzas. Trust me, that that was my uh, that was my nutrition. <laughs> that was his go to. Yeah, man, the hungry house pizza, man, at ten o'clock at night, man, you couldn't beat that, man, for five bucks. <laughs> Come on, man, have it like get a a good pepperoni pizza, a large pepperoni pizza for five dollars. Exactly. Like, that was, oh, I love that. It. Was everything. Next question. For, <laughs> yeah, no, so, for real, like seriously. So, but but. After that, like how my transition changed from that, um, you know, my my wife, man, she kind of she did a lot of uh, stuff for me. I met her like going into my senior year um, college, and you know, through that whole process, she helped with groceries for me and and making sure I was able to eat right and um, take care of my body, and as well as pitching for me for training, like. When I was training for the NFL, it was uh, we were scraping up some money to, to train. But luckily, um, you know, I, I was able to get some money from my uncle and to help me out. And really, that that changed a lot. You know, that changed a lot. And and I went to Alabama Pro Day. I did UAB Pro Day, and I killed it. You know, like it was just it was one of those yeah. surreal moments for me. Speaking of the Pro Day, we were laughing last night. Uh, we saw that you ran a four nine five. So you you were mm. sub five forty time, and I was saying two of my biggest gripes of my athletic career: never broke four hundred on the bench, 
three ninety five was the max I got. Mm. The two little tiny two and a halfs I couldn't get. And then I never broke uh, a five forty. But the funny part is like the the fastest I ever ran was like five one ish, and I was like two forty two fifty. Like I thought I was flying. So right. the fact that at your size you were moving like that, it just blows my mind. And I think I I love like, nothing more than a, than an old lineman showing out at their pro day or at the combine with a sub five forty. It just it just validates that a lot. I mean, a lot of people that don't understand O line, they don't realize how like what monsters you guys are. It's literally insane. Yeah. You guys are hundreds yeah. to one hundred and fifty pounds heavier than normal people, and you're blazing by that. It's just <laughs> insane. It's it's fun, yes. man, to see guys every week do some fun stuff, man. Like I always admire like Trent Williams, like Jason Peters, because oh, yeah. those guys are so freaking big and like you know, Jason Peters was a he was a tight end at first and then mm-hmm. they moved him to uh tackle. And the dude has like some quick feet, man. Oh yeah. As well as as well as Trent Williams. I love Trent Williams, like he just he's a that's a dog, man. I read that one of your uh Earlier seasons with the Steelers, one of your first start, you like were kind of an extra tight end in the set for a little bit. Yeah, well, true? big tight end, big tight end. See, yeah. so you see, you're humble, you're humble. You're, you got some quick feet too. Yeah, man. I just it's just one of those things, man. Like I want to find a place to work. Wherever they put me, I'm gonna try to make. Yeah, it. yeah, and you that's know. that's such a, that's such a huge thing of like Coach Hines. Shout out Coach Hines. He always talks about you know. You want to get on the field, do what your coach asks you to do. You got to be a big yeah. tight end. You got to be a big tight end. You got to you got to help the team win on Sunday, man. Whatever. Exactly, exactly. You do, put your hand in the pile to make the team go. That's what we'll do. So, I want to get uh, further along into your pro career now. Um, so, after playing with the Steelers for a few years, um, you joined the Browns in 2018, um, mm-hmm. and this is like when the Browns were in hard knocks, Baker mania. OBJ was coming like it was just crazy um so I was just wondering you know what was it like going into that kind of scene um you know coming off an 16 season but like somehow like there was so much hype around that team and I I, I would like from your perspective as you know leading the Steelers and going to a rival it was like you went to a, from like a franchise you know six Super Bowls down to like the rival who everyone's like always craps on for not being good but you had all this hype for the first time and for anyone can remember since when. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, what was that like for you, that transition? And, you know, what was it like the experience being on hard knocks? Like, are the cameras actually everywhere? Um, are people actually always mic'd up or is it like a little, like more private than it seems to be? Um, hard knocks was pretty cool. It was just a different environment, man. You did have the cameras here and there, man, following you around and, and things. And, um, you know that was that was fine. Um, it that that really didn't have a problem. I think the big the the problem uh, not the problem, but um, what should I say? How should I put this? Um, the transition part of it was um, everybody jumping on board and us, um, you know, buying in and you know it was it, everything. They always make stuff look bigger than what it is, and everybody man, we're just human, man. We out here trying to make plays. Every, we got a talented team. Um, talented people, um, and, well, great heart people too as well. So when I saw that, you know, I was like, man, we're going to be fine, man. It's just going to take time for us to build. You know, that's one of those things, you know, Rome wasn't built in a day. So, like, things take time to build. And they, you know, you have to watch and see 
the flower blossom, man. It, it takes time for that flower to blossom. You have to, you know, um, treat it well. You have to give it sun. You have to give it some water. You know what I mean? Things need mm-hmm. it needs work. So, you know, that's the thing with this team, and I I feel like we form a uh, a family. You know, now to where look where we are right now, and how can we be even better? Um, people have asked me like. You know, you went to, you know, Cleveland from Pittsburgh to Cleveland. Like, it wasn't that for me. It was more so of staying in the same division because I love this division. Um, AFC North football is is a lot, man. You run the ball. Like, you got you got you're in cold weather. Um, man, games are tough, man. Being AFC North football, you know it's going to be a dog fight. So, I just love that that atmosphere, man, that energy. Like even when I was with Pittsburgh, man, playing the Ravens, playing in, like the Patriots in those games, man, like even at the Cleveland, like the same thing. Like, so you just feel that it's just something about that AFC North ball, man. That's what, that's what I, sold it for me. I, that's so true. Anytime I see an AFC North uh, game on primetime or something like that, you always know there's going to be some cracking of the pads. It's going to be, it's going to be a hard nosed game. I love, love yeah, seeing man. anything like that. One other thing that I want to talk about regarding hard knocks was there was a little bit of shine that came for the O-line during that, uh, during that hard knocks <laughs> with coach Wiley. And yeah, I got to ask him questions about him. He had the, the legendary quote for the world war two storm, the beach in Normandy. Like they weren't stretching and doing jumping jack or they were only doing jumpy jacks and pushups. And then also yeah. with the cadence, with his stomach, like what? What's the deal with that? Is that like, like, was that something you guys noticed before that kind of went big on, on, you know, the internet or not? And I don't know. I just want to hear as much as I can about coach Wiley. Cause he just seems like the most stereotypical O-line coach of all time. Man. Coach Wiley was a real deal, man. He was, uh, he knew his stuff, man. Like he had so much history and, uh, so much knowledge, so much wisdom. Um, I still, you know, he still texts me to this day, man. And just, Send me little quotes here and there. That's what type of dude he is, though. He's genuine. And I think anybody that crosses his path, man, he's always um, shedding some light um, their way. You know, whether you know whether you were good with him or whether you were bad with him, but he's always showing you some sort of uh, love coming from his way. And that's how he is, man. He's uh, with the stomach thing, though. Like that—that that was something that normally that was always that was always happening. I guess hard knocks <laughs> just. I guess Hard Knocks just caught it and be like, man, this could, be trend- this, could be, this could be trendy. You know what I mean? Like, that's how <laughs> people think of things. And sure enough, it happened. It happened. So, um, but, you know, he just, he's a great dude, man. I, I, I'm glad I had him. I'm glad I was able to, to uh, be in his life for a little while. And um, it was fun. It was fun. Absolutely. So regarding the Browns this year, you guys are off to a great start, 3-1 record, start the year, um, and just coming off a game where you guys just emasculated the, the Dallas Cowboys defense, running for over 300 yards. Uh, you're leading the league in rushing with, I think it's over 800 yards on the year. Um, mm-hmm. what, what's it like? And obviously you guys have two amazing running backs and sucks to no, see what happened. Just two. To, not just two. Uh, yeah, you're four. right. We got yeah, four, you're man. Right, you're right. I'm, I'm excited <laughs> to see what uh, Darrenus Johnson does this weekend. And you guys got a deep group back there. But all that to be said, 
the O-line deserves a lot more credit than I think. I mean, you guys are getting credit, but, you know, with the big name running backs that you guys have, like Kareem Hunt and, and Nick Chubb, sure. I think the O-line sometimes gets forgotten, which, you know, I, I see some of these breakdowns from Coach Baldy and, and other guys on Twitter. I love nothing more than seeing it. You guys are, I mean, you guys are mauling people. What's it, what's it like uh, being able to go out there and know you're just going to be able to throw 200 on a team every week? First of all, it's tough to do, but it's amazing. <laughs> it's amazing because, um, you know, this is grown man football, man, and you have to be all on your P's and Q's. Uh, you, you miss, if you misread something in, in the blink of an eye, the play is totally misscrewed. Um, and, you know, just, just seeing how exciting um, players are on the field, man, when, when stuff is being called the right way, you have fun, man. And Coach Stavansky, I got to – you know, give a big shout out to him and Coach uh, Coach Bill Callahan because with that run game, man, the way Coach Callahan coached that stuff up, man, is it's like him dissect dissecting a doggone animal, man. Like he's he's all on it, man. So for him, uh, just making sure like he's trusting us with the, the the game that we run, it's beautiful, man. It's beautiful. I haven't seen that in a while, and it's exciting to see again to be able to be and the top dogs of like rushing, you know what I mean? Like we make a statement when we, when we step into the field, man, that we're going to run the ball on you no matter what. And we're making that happen. Yeah. And, and as a viewer, that's so like refreshing to see because, you know, as, as I'm sure, you know, like the game has changed so much, even from when, like when we were younger guys, yeah, right. Like I remember growing up watching Alan Fanica pulling and kicking and, you know, drum bass right. running. <laughs> You're running a pat like just power. Um, so it's refreshing. It like, yeah, it's refreshing as hell to see like you guys actually just run Chubb like how he's supposed to be run. You know, um, but like, with that being said, like you still have so many weapons on the outside. I feel like it's like part of your like issues last year. I feel like you are still trying to figure out how to utilize everybody without like taking p- taking throws away from like Odell or Jarvis, but like also giving enough touches to, to Chubb. Um, so like. Like leading into that, do you think I do you think this year you guys are doing a better job of like a balanced offense? And you know, has you have you seen Baker progress? You know, as a quarterback and a leader, you know, since the time you've been there. Uh, yeah, he's progressed a lot, man. And I think this offense that we're in now, man, uh, compensates in that. And you know, his leadership has been uh, tremendous this year. The way he's standing up and you know and leading, and that's that's what you that's what you need, man. And like like the offense, we are balanced offense, and we we're gonna be able to run. We're gonna be able to throw. That's the thing that we're gonna be able to do some trickery here and there. Like that's some of the things. Like uh, like I said, Coach Stefanski does well of calling, and and as long as as long with uh with uh, Coach Coach Alex Van Pelt too, man, he's done a great job as well, uh, dissecting the offense as well, man. And I'm sorry, my dogs want something to eat right now. <laughs> but um yeah they they're they're doing a great job man keeping baker right and making sure everybody else is uh getting the ball man so i i, I have no complaints as long as we're doing that we should win every week yeah as long as you guys keep winning there's no reason to change what you guys are doing i mean you guys are killing it out there yeah i agree i agree so uh another another thing is even 
just past offense, you guys have a lot of weapons on defense too. And, and you being on the O-line, you, and especially being a tackle, you must be facing Miles Garrett almost every day. What's it, what's it like playing against, being able to practice against a guy of his caliber? Um, a guy like that, man, it's kind of a dime a dozen, man. This dude here is a, uh, a true marksman. He's a uh, guy that comes to work every day and he's a, he's a guy that's going to challenge you every day. And the stuff that you see on Sunday, it comes out of nowhere, man. I'm telling you, I kid you not because he just like, he literally just makes stuff up as he go. And God gifted that dude with some amazing hips, man. No homo or whatever. Um, <laughs> The the dude the dude man is a uh, freak of nature dude like I give you that like he's he he's limber my dude my guy is strong enough to knock you out of anywhere like he's just he's a he's a great dude man that's that's my brother man he's uh, I talk to him every day about like picking up like in different places of uh, his game and just showing just showing him what I see other tackles do um, that he faces and try to give him some insight on what they're doing and how he can set up a move to create that sack. And it's just one of them relationships. Like, it's like, man, I got your back, bro. Like, you know what I mean? I see, I'm, I'm seeing what you see, but I got your other eye, you know? Absolutely. So I, mm-hmm. I do have to ask about Miles, you know, after the game with the Steelers last year, with the that crazy ending, you know, with Mason Rudolph and whatnot. And, you know, I think everyone, every football fan who was watching that, that was just a, a wild, wild scene. And obviously, you know, between the lines, things, things happen. It's, I mean, it's a, it's a right. crazy, it's a crazy game. You're, I mean, you're literally trying to knock the snot out of people every play, mm-hmm. especially his position. So what was it, what was it like in the locker room after that? You know, obviously that was a big, that was a big win. That, that was a, yeah. that was a crazy game, but what was it like in the locker room after that? Um, It was, it was, it was a calm feeling in the locker room, man. It was just like, man, what just really happened? But we won, like, but still, though, what just really happened? You know what I mean? Um, we didn't really uh, get into the the needy greedy of the things until probably like that next day or so. And honestly, I think we all wanted to enjoy the victory a little bit more because um, we were just sad to see, not, I won't say sad, it was just, hurt to see our brother like you know what what happened was it, it just it just hurt either way like i don't know what was said like he you know what i mean like i i, I believe miles you know what i mean and i believe yeah. him he because he's not one of those guys that just like flare up like that he's a great like i said before he's a great dude um my guy loves Don- dinosaurs still man come on like so <laughs> um for for him to call something like that like to stir up something like that, uh, like I fully believe, like something triggered him. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, absolutely. So. Yeah, and then so going from a more serious locker room to a kind of a, like, I don't want to say funny, but I also feel like we have to ask this, <clears throat> and I'm probably sure you might have an idea of where I'm going with this regarding Odell. Um, with the the recent podcast that came out with those girls and everything that went on. Um, the, the rumor, I'm not going to say what it was, um, but like, and he, he seems to be having fun with it, like on Instagram and whatnot, kind of joking around with it. But like, 
I know if I was on a football team and like that stuff was going down, like there had to be some like hilarious chirps or like talking going, like you know, after yeah, that happened. Like, there's no way he got off the hook just just uh, by sending out an Instagram or something. Yeah, at first, but it it was like, um, man, he he was cool. Like he wasn't worried about that for real. Like he, honestly, it didn't affect his game. He's still out here, um, you know, balling out like he normally do, and it and and it doesn't affect him daily. Like I I saw him the next day and we joked about it. Everybody joked about it. And then we 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 went on our several ways of like, man, we and let's get back to business, man. This ain't nothing. Yeah, and he. He took it. He did it the best way. The best way to get rid of it. I mean, to quit a rumor like that is just to kind of play into it. And like, yeah, the next day was like, I don't know, saying something about him shitting on like his, the opponents. Like that's, that's the right. best way. Like, that's the, the most self, self, self deprecation. That's hilarious. I mean, I love yeah. that. Yeah. He, ki- he killed the noise right there. He literally exactly. did. Exactly. Yeah. The noise itself. And I think throughout your career, you've played with like some super high profile guys. Um, oh yeah. And so I think this would be like a good segue into, cause I'm a Steeler fan mm-hmm. born and raised in Pittsburgh um, in the killer bees era. was always so interesting to me. Um, so like, I, like what was it like, you know, being in that locker room with bell and Brown and, you know, Ben, Brian, like you guys had so many players and was it as crazy as the media may it seem, or it was a different story behind the scenes, man, we, we were locked in, man. I'm going to be honest, man. It was like, it was all. It was almost. I can't even say that because that's overdoing it, man. It's almost like having like the the last the last dance type of people on your team, like because you had Michael Jordan who was Ben Roethlisberger, and then you got Scottie Pippen who was Antonio Brown. You know what I mean? Like it was just deep, man. Like they, we had a lot of players, man. A, a lot. Of, we had a, a solid O line as, as far as like oh, yeah. Two. Monster like we, were, we were we were deep, man. So wide outs, running back, L Bell, man, it was the defense was crazy. Um, man, it was it was a fun time, man. Those guys like really were my brothers, man. They still are my brothers. And it just it when we when we all were on that field Sunday, it was lights out. Like we felt untouchable, man. You know, speaking of, you know, the whole A B saga and you know, some of the things that were floating around through the media. Um, I think this would be a good segue into like mental health. Um, and I know I dug into your Instagram profile and did some research on you. And I, I see that you're, uh, you know, a big advocate for mental health awareness. Um, so kind of going away from the funny Odell Beckham rumor stuff, to kind of a more serious subject, because I think it's important, you know, as three big guys, uh, I think it's important for people like us to talk about it and not be afraid to talk about it and like tackle that stigma of, you know, the alpha. And I think you're like a perfect, you know, person to hear from, you know, being an NFL player, especially the biggest position lineman. Um, so just going into mental health, uh, like why is mental health awareness you know, such an important issue with you? Um, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, my wife deals with like, you know, depression and anxiety, things like that. And, um, you know, that was one of the, one of my real reasons, but as well as like, I've started to feel those same things. Um, you know, when I had a concussion, you know, I started to kind of feel like a little different, like it, it kind of, 
like having a concussion changed my life for real. It saw it showed me a lot and how to play the game and I'm in a better form or fashion. Like I was I always thought I was cautious and you know, protecting myself for this game and leading and playing the right way. But concussions, those things happen. So I found I finally got one of my real concussions that I knew about and you know, that really kind of affected a lot of my mood swings, um, how, you know, how I reacted to a lot of stuff. And, you know, that was one of those things that I had to do counseling, and, and as well as having a big contract, man. Like that, having a big contract, you got a lot of a lot of a, attention on you now that I've never had before. So it was a mix of a lot of different things, man. And mental health is real, man. Without your mental health, you will um, kind of lose yourself a little bit. You like, like I, I really started to lose a lot of weight when I was going um, through those problems. I lost weight. I wasn't myself. I couldn't sleep. Like um, having like different kind of anxiety, my heart racing. Um, that stuff is real. So, not stuff, but me- your mental health is real, man. And it's important to get help when you need help because. It's so easy to hear your the back of your mind just telling you different negative things that you might be thinking, and you don't you don't want to feel those those moments, man, because it's you know those play a big role into you know taking your own life. Let's just being honest, like it just you really start thinking um, the lowest parts of yourself, man. I believe in it, and you know I just wanted to <clears throat> excuse me bring mental health to the forefront because it's not necessarily it's not a lot uh of talking about it because um you know we think we're always okay and we're all fine and dandy about our life and the honest truth is like we are all gonna have some bad days um, some good days and you have to be able to manage and maneuver those days um the right way because if not you can veer off into a deep uh part of your brain where you um don't want to go through but you that's why the, i really advise a lot of people to get help i really do and and if i'm able to talk to somebody like i've i've talked to a lot of people on um instagram and just just helping them not just helping them but just just hearing them their story and what they've been through and how they're trying to get through and get well um, and when I do hear those, hear those uh, recovering like um, messages, that warms my heart up because somewhere along the line, like they was able to vent and being able to uh, get what their point across to somebody that's been through the same thing or heard about the same thing. So it's just it's just me being the advocate and being able to tell my story and being able to be um, a part of the people is what it's all about and being vulnerable i mean it's about being vulnerable like like you said uh i thought it was interesting how you talked about your your contract and getting that big contract because i think like pat mentioned you know to the outside world it seems like well what problems could you have like you know you just signed this big contract but it's i mean it's about more than that and when you see guys like you know like kevin love and dak prescott these high profile guys coming out dealing with these real issues, you know, you know, what does it mean when those kind of guys, those that will get this 
massive, uh, you know, media exposure and, and, you know, they're bringing it to the forefront. How, how much does that mean to you? Um, it means a lot to me because I'm, I'm not just saying this just to be saying this, but I, I honestly feel like Dak feels a lot better getting a point, a part of his uh, point across. Look how he's performing. I mean, it, it looks good, but I know deep down inside he have his moments, but oh, yeah. Just look at how he is changing and making history, man, for himself, man. He's doing – I know it's tough, man. And I wish I was able to, you know, talk to him after the game and be like, man, you know, I appreciate you, brother, and I, and I, and I look up to you because of what he did. And just seeing that, that, that makes, me, makes me realize that, you know, they're starting to get it. People are starting to realize, like, this is – something we need to tackle. Yeah, and it's, the media is so negative nowadays, and even just, like, the news, everything, there's so much bad. I feel like the only the only bad is being projected out in the world. Um, yeah. And I think even, like, when Dak talked about that, um, Stan and I, we were talking, I think Skip Bayless, didn't he, like, criticize him for, like, he's, like, he's a weak-minded he guy. Like, that is just he so did. crazy to me he that, did, like, man. Are you, do you need clicks or views that bad that you're going to make a statement? Like someone's trying to spread mental health awareness. His brother just committed suicide and you're going to say he's not mentally tough to lead a football team. Like that's just wrong. so wrong. Yeah. It's just it like, that's like, where have we gotten as like a society where like, you know, it's more important to like get a clickbait title on like a tweet or something just to like, it's just, it's crazy to me. So I think it's, it's I think it's really important for guys like, you know, High prof, more high profile guys that come out and you know not act too tough to say, um, you know, I'm dealing with this or that, or I know people dealing with this or that, um, because yeah. definitely a serious issue. And I think it's good to to talk about this kind of stuff though, because the more it's talked about and not seen as like taboo and like you you're like you're you need help if you like dealing with these things, uh, the better it's going to get. So um, that's no, why I, I wanted to bring it up with you. Yeah, no, I'm I'm glad you did, man. I'm just um, still trying to, you know, just trying to uh, tell people about it and let them know, man. This is this is this is real. Yeah, and in, in terms of you know, you were talking about concussions in football, you know, like the whole CTE um, situation that has been brought to light the past, you know, few five years or so. Um, has the NFL been doing more since you've gotten into the league about like? these kind of things of like providing, you know, maybe psychologists or people to talk to you, whatever. Oh yeah. They've, uh, they've, they've done a very good job since then. And, and still now they've taken a lot of precautions on and, and being prepared on uh, those concussion calls. And, you know, with the helmet change, I, I changed my helmet and everything and got the, uh, the, the, the helmet that, they do a scan and it's only able to fit your head wow. because it has this, uh, this soft concussion, um, prevention inside of it. So man, it's, it's changed my life, man. It's, it's helped me out. And I don't, I don't feel the way I used to, like when I, when I, uh, hit somebody now, you know, that's great. That's great. Well, before we let you go, Chris, I want to ask you one more question. Us being old linemen, uh, former old linemen, but still fat boys at heart. You know, mm-hmm. we love to eat. We love nothing more than a, than a nice meal. I need to hear your number one cheat meal when uh, when you're not thinking about your nutrition. You're just going, I need this right now. What is it? 
Oh man, it got it has to be five guys, man. Like five guys, bacon cheese, bacon cheeseburger. I literally I have one like every other Monday. Especially if we win, I'm gonna have one on Monday. Just so <laughs> I can it, just so I can work it out. Two on Monday. No, I, I literally did have two on Monday. <laughs> like I had I had I had the cheeseburger, that's two patties, and then I had one with a regular hamburger. With you know, with some peanut butter at the end of the night. I absolutely love it. Well, Chris, we really want to thank you. Uh, It was super fun to have you on. Um, And uh, we look forward to seeing what you do, you you and the Browns do for the rest of the year. And uh, good luck. Man, thank you guys, man. Thank you for the opportunity. And, you know, if you guys need me, man, I'll be here, man, and to chat with you guys. Absolutely. All All right, right, Chris. Sounds great. All right, guys. See you all. You have a good night. All right, you too, guys. Big thanks to Chris Hubbard. That was a fun interview and a big one for us, obviously our first. Um, so that was really fun, but uh, we're looking forward to having more like that. And we have a couple more lined up for you guys, so stay tuned for those. With that, let's get into uh, some of the games for next week. Pat, what do you got? Well, Stan, I got the biggest game of the week, and it should be everyone's biggest game of the week. Steelers-Titans, two undefeated. Teams going at it. Obviously, two big injuries on both sides of the ball. Steelers lost Devin Bush, signal caller, middle linebacker. Not the best piece to lose going up against Derrick Henry. Um, So that'll be an interesting matchup for sure. And then on the other side, the Titans lost Taylor the one, which same like very similar scenario. I wouldn't want to be losing my top tackle going against Watt and Dupree. Not against that Steelers team. Yeah, so that is going to be what I'm going to be watching during the game. I think that's going to be a really interesting and kind of fun thing to, to watch and see how that impacts both teams. Um, Ryan Tannehill, he's been playing out of his mind. <laughs> and granted, he has Derrick Henry, like a horse behind him. But still, he's been, he's been putting up really good numbers, and he, I think he's very underrated. The Titans are never going to get the respect they deserve because they're Tennessee Titans, you know what I mean, like in terms of power rankings and whatnot. But they're a really good team, and it's at Tennessee – um, so this is this is a very tough game for Pittsburgh, um, and I think it's very evenly matched. Um, but I think the line right now is minus two Steelers. Yep. So it's basically it's basically a pick 'em at that point, honestly. Um, but if I had to pick for this game, I'm going to take Steelers minus two. I really I mean, like them. That was the most obvious pick of all time. We all knew <laughs> you were going to pick the Steelers. But I, I, I'm a realistic Steelers fan. I swear to God. <laughs> and, <laughs> the Steelers' offense right now. Big Ben looks great. Um, the emergence of Mapletron, uh, Claypool, uh, Animal. And I remember I texted Stan on draft night, who do you think the Steelers are going to pick? And they picked Claypool, and I wanted them to pick him, and he's doing great. So he's turning into every, what everyone envisioned that happening. Um, so they're, they're just clicking all, all cylinders right now. And their defense, number two defense in the league. Granted, they lost Bush, huge loss. That, that, like, that's the most interesting thing going in this game, I think. Yeah, just quickly on that game, I, I want to say uh, what you said about Ryan Tannehill is really interesting. And I kind of agree with it. People really have not given him enough respect yet. Everyone's so used to him. I think everyone's just still locked in on him, the Dolphins' Ryan Tannehill, which I don't, I, I don't know if we can blame him anymore. With Adam Gase being that head coach, Adam Gase oh. is, a, is a walking franchise destroyer. Like Terrible. Everywhere he goes, he ruins, he ruins shit. So – 
I, I think Tannehill needs his respect. He's a good quarterback at this point. Um, yeah, I'm excited for that game as well. The game I want to look at is the Patriots and the 49ers. I think this game is going to be really interesting. Um, the Patriots are coming off a real bad loss against Denver, um, while the 49ers are coming off a big win against the Rams. 49ers were really um, – they were really struggling early in the year, it seemed, but they really put it together against the Rams last week. Um, and I think this will be an interesting game on both sides, proving whether or not these teams are actually good. The Patriots lost a terrible game, and the 49ers won a good game, but after playing terribly for a couple couple of weeks. So I think this will kind of show whether both these teams are good or maybe maybe one exposes the other. I think it will be really interesting. Um, on top of that, these are two of the best coaches in the league, Kyle Shanahan and Bill Belichick. Um, I'm excited for a little bit of a X's and O's uh, battle there between those guys. I think it should be interesting. I'm expecting a lot of uh, really fun, interesting plays, which both of these teams do. Patriots will always pull out, uh, you know, some sort of wide receiver screen to pass. They love doing that with Julian Edelman. Um, and like I said, with the, the 49ers last week, you know, they are, they get creative uh, with their run game, especially. So that'll be interesting seeing the 49ers run game against this Patriots defense, which is uh, definitely the Patriots strength. So uh, yeah, that, that, I think that'll be a fun game as well. The line right now is the Patriots are favored by two and a half. Uh, I think that's fair given that the 49ers are having to travel cross country. Mm -hmm. If I had to give a pick on that, I would probably pick Patriots minus two and a half just because I trust Bill Belichick at home, especially after a bad loss. Um, I think they'll come out, come out firing. I think the 49ers will struggle a little bit having to travel so far. Um, But either way, that should be a great game. Low scoring game, most likely in my opinion. Um, But I think that'll be a fun one. Yeah, and the Niners, they've been, they were obviously tons of injuries, and some guys are not going to get back this year. But it seems like they're finally getting a little healthier, and they did look good against the Rams. So that will definitely be interesting because they're, they're still really, obviously, well-coached, really talented team. Um, so I don't, I don't think we've seen, we've seen the rest of them yet this year. Um, but like you said, Belichick, even like when the Patriots went to Seattle, I thought they were going to get killed. And you just, like, you just cannot count them out because of Bill Belichick. So I, I agree. I think it's going to be very low scoring. You know he's going to have like a great game plan set up. Um, so that would definitely be an interesting game to watch. And the last game I want to talk about is the Monday night game. It's the Bears and the Rams. This game's in L.A. Um, for me, this game will prove to me whether or not – I still believe the Bears are frauds, and this game will prove it to me whether or not they are. Vegas still thinks they're frauds. Ram, the Rams are favored – by five and a half points. That's not a, I mean, that's a pretty big spread, especially if the Bears huge. team, they're, Bears are four and one. <laughs> the Vegas thinks they're frauds. I think they're frauds. This game, I think, will prove it. One, I think the Bears are five and one. You're sadly mistaken. Is it five and one? My bad. And two, I, so I, I go back and forth with this. One, because I don't, I like in my heart, I'm like, the Bears are not good. But then it gets to a certain point where they're five and one. If you get to five and one, you aren't, you don't get to that record by like luck being lucky for six yeah. weeks. You know what I mean? Don't get so there like, by accident. Right. So it's, it's, they're doing some things right for sure. Um, yeah. And I, I honestly can say like, I haven't really watched much of the bears. I watched a few of their games, um, but I haven't, I haven't watched them since Nick Foles came back actually. So I don't know what like they're really even looking like right now. 
I but, have uh, watched them a lot, and it's the, their offense is so annoying to watch. It's so streaky. Nick Foles is so streaky. He will miss the easiest passes you've ever seen. Uh, I, it, I'm trying to think back to which game it was, but there was one third and two where they did this little flat route to uh, A-Rob, Allen Robinson, and he mm-hmm. over like he was wide open and he threw it three yards over his head. Like it was unbelievable. But then you'll see Nick Foles just pull some insane throw out of his butt and like catch some guy in the corner. It's just the weirdest team of all time. I still don't think they're good though. Like I said, um, it, but again, this game, this game will be a, a, a proving point, I think. Yeah. So right now the line's set at, like I said, minus five and a half for the Rams. Rams are at home. Over under set at 45. That's to me, so, that's so low. To me, that seems low. I, I would take the over. If I had to make a bet in this game, I would take the over. I, I, I still, like I said, I think the Bears are frauds, but five and a half is a lot. And this, this Bears, Bears team really keeps it close every game. So I, I hesitate on betting on the spread, but the over seems like a good bet to me. Yeah, that's, that's a really tough spread game because the Rams are coming off the, the Niners game where they just didn't look very good at all. Yeah. Um, and five and a half is a lot to give a team that's five and one. Like, my God, that's yeah, just so disrespectful. Exactly. Um, but so, like, at one hand, I can see the Bears, like, covering that easily because they seems like they cover every week. Um, but then on the other hand, other hand, I like I just have flashes of like Cooper Cut, <laughs> Cooper Cup, or like Robert Woods, you know, like streaking down the field. And I'm like, I knew it, I knew it. Um, but I guess taking in everything into account, if I had to make a pick, I'm because I'm always wrong on the Bears. I'm gonna take them five and a half. <laughs> then the, this they'll probably lose now because I said that. But that's what I would do. And over for sure. That's really low. I, that's surprisingly low. No, I, I agree. I respect it. I, I understand why you take the Bears. I still think they're frauds, but again, I, I, I get it. Moving into our last segment where we are calling on listeners to help us um, with our new segment, we want to give a shout out to Jordan Daniel at Professor Nerdo um, for this hilarious idea, user submission. Um, Fat Boy Move of the Week is what we're going to call it. Um, and it is pretty self-explanatory. So our listeners, you guys will send in your fat boy move of the week um, under our tweet. I will tweet it out. And every week we'll go through the, the list of fat boy moves and pick a, a few or a one of the funniest tweets um, and just <laughs> talk about it. And hopefully at the end of the year, compile some hilarious fat boy moves. And I think Stan's going to give a fat boy move of the week um, example because I know he has many fat boy moves in his days yeah not proud of it um, Pat lived with me during this period of my life where um, I was this was back when when Pat and I were both playing since then I've we've slimmed down a little bit trust trust me we're still we're still fat boys but uh, <laughs> back then this was me at 330 I was a big boy Saturdays after football games and and in the off season. Who am I kidding? This was almost a weekly occurrence. I don't know <laughs> if anyone else uh, knows of the the St. Jude meal deal from Domino's, but boy, I was a I was a frequent flyer on that. Um, I'll read it out to you uh, exactly what that was. Yeah, I was going to say read it out. Yeah, again, I want to I want to reiterate. I'm not proud of this, but um, you know what. This actually, you know what? I am proud of this. I needed this. I needed this sustenance to keep that weight up so I could be a beast on the field. So you know what? I'm going with it. I'm, I'm proud of this. Not proud of it, but I did it anyway. 
the deal was a two medium, one topping pizzas, 16 piece Parmesan bread bites, eight piece Six. cinnamon twists, listen, and a two liter of Coke. <laughs> now, so much. now this was a weekly thing where Saturday nights I would, I would order this. I would go straight. I would make sure to order this very late so that only I was the one that could enjoy everything. Right. Like that, I could, that, that's, was, the, that's the key part. Like this was just for him. This wasn't for like anybody else in the building. Yeah. I wasn't trying to share this with anyone and I would put this down usually in one, in one sitting. It was either I'd put it down <laughs> that night or I'd wake up the next morning and finish the rest of it. But uh, yeah, the, that was, that alone is bad. But when I, when we're talking fat boy movie of the week, I'm talking one time that was real bad. Uh, this was a Saturday after a football game. Uh, we had been enjoying a couple, a few libations that night. Um, but uh <laughs> In my, in my stupor, I was in my bed, and I was like, you know what? St. Jude meal deal, here I come. <laughs> Throw in the order, uh, Domino's. Uh, they already knew it was coming. They already knew it. Uh, but I made the order, happened to fall asleep before the order actually got there. Uh, woke up the next morning to see on my phone that I had six texts from a number I didn't know uh, saying, yo, yo, I'm here. Hey, I'm here, but your pizza's here. All right, I left it outside the door. And I'm not kidding you. I went out. This is granted and keep this in mind. This is in uh, New England in the fall. It's cold. This pizza's been out there. He left it outside the door for eight hours. I don't know. Long time. I went down there. I grabbed the pizza. I grabbed the Parmesan bites. I grabbed the cinnamon twists. I brought it upstairs, heated it up in the microwave and I ate it again. Not proud, but sometimes you got to do what you got to do. And that, and that, but that, with that being said, that is the exact stuff we're looking for here. Like, this, this is what this we're looking for. Yeah, this isn't like I just crushed the buffet line like three times. Like, no, it, it needs to be some significant fat boy move. Like, it that's needs just, to be, that's, that's casual fat boy moves. You know what I mean? Like, we need something yeah. desperate. Like, you're just out of control. <laughs> it needs to be, it needs to be foul. You have to be somewhat disappointed in yourself with this. <laughs> Although that's not going to stop you from doing it again, because trust me, I did it repetitively. It's it's hilarious because just in the interview, Chris was talking about crushing pizza deals too when he was in college. Yeah, yeah, he was. You're right. He he talked about crushing pizza deals and he talked about how he still crushes five guys on a weekly basis. Yeah, exactly. So like you have to be, you have to shop your deals. I listen, you cannot be embarrassed. Like things I do, I'll, I'll get coupons in the mail from like McDonald's, Wendy's. I have no problem doing a buy one, get one free coupon at this day. <laughs> like you, you may get a weird look <laughs> giving a paper coupon in 2020, but like I've done it multiple times. Those coupons are hilarious because those, those deals that you get on those coupons oftentimes are like the most marginally like I know. insignificant deal, but those are always enough to make me like, well, might as well. I mean, exactly. It's it's a sale. I might as well take advantage of it. You always get to you always take it and then once you get there you order more and you're like, I fell into the trap, but I'm okay with it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So so this is the kind of thing we're looking for. If if you got any stories, whether it's food, uh, whether it might be um, you know, being averse to conditioning, God knows <laughs> I was um, you know, anything along those lines, we want to hear it. Uh, you know, submit our, submit your, uh, your fat boy moves of the week, moves of your life. Um, we want to hear it. Yeah. And maybe, uh, the funniest one 
or the top one that we rank, maybe, maybe it'll be a giveaway involved or something of that sort. So absolutely. Um, All right. And with that, we'll wrap up our second episode. Again, big thanks to Chris Hubbard for uh, the great interview. Looking forward to having more guys like that. Uh, but with that, uh, thanks for tuning in to the second episode of the Big Uglies podcast. Follow us on Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram at WeAreBigGuys, as well as at our new Twitter account at TheBigUglyspod. Also, don't forget to download and subscribe to this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Play. And hit up our merch store on the We Are Big Guys account for all your big man apparel needs. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you guys next time.